All right. If you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Kings chapter 18. Uh, while you're turning there, uh, I want uh, all of our locations, uh, Kempsville location, Volvo location, to join me at 1 o'clock uh, to pray for one thing every day this week. Pray for one minute. This 111 that we've been doing over the last several weeks, we're going to continue the whole church joining together in prayer for one specific thing for one minute a day. And what I want to encourage all of us to pray for uh, this week, beginning today at 1 o'clock, uh, is uh, today is the International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church. Uh, I know that you are probably aware of this, but uh, there is uh, globally uh, persecution that happens uh, against Christians. And it happens in various forms, in various ways, in various intensity uh, around the world. Uh, for example, in North Korea, 50,000 Christians, approximately 50,000 Christians, are imprisoned uh, in prison camps because they are followers of Jesus. We need to pray for the persecuted church. And uh, in other nations in the world, uh, in places like the Middle East, uh, believers are executed uh, by family members because they are followers of Jesus. Um, in, in villages in, uh, in India, uh, there are uh, pastors who are beaten and, uh, and, and their, their livelihood taken away because they're followers of Jesus. Um, and and that's, not, that's not everywhere in each of those nations, but it happens in different places at different times. Uh, persecution that is severe. And we need to pray for the persecuted church. We need to pray for believers who are standing up for their faith in the face of even martyrdom. Uh, so this week, uh, you might go on a, a website, Voices of the Martyrs, or uh, you do a Google search, International day of prayer for the persecuted church or just the persecuted church, and you'll get more information and specifics on how you can pray. But at one o'clock every day this week, let's pray uh, for the persecuted church. All right? Uh, so if you have your Bibles, and turn to 2 Kings chapter 18. We're going to look at 18, primarily chapter 18. We're going to look at verses 19, uh, chapter 19 and 20 in a, in a little bit of a way, but, but primarily chapter 18. So I hope you uh, have that. Uh, while we're getting ready for this message, I want us at uh, Volvo location, at Kempsville location, I want us to do something together, okay? And what I want us to do is I want us to clap at the same time and have a regular uh, clapping at the same time. I know that some of you are uh, more hard shell Baptists than others, but clapping is okay. It's going to do it in heaven so we can do it in the church. Um, can I get an amen? Uh, all right. Uh, yeah, I'm just kidding. Y'all, y'all are great. Uh, but uh, we're going to clap together, okay? Now, I just clap at the same time I do. Are you ready? Okay. Are you ready? Everybody ready? Okay. All right. Volvo ready. Kinsville ready. One, two, three. Man. Wow. Y'all are really good at this. Don't go fast. Don't, don't, let's not hurry. Let's just enjoy the time we have together. 
Y'all keep clapping. Keep clapping. I really want to break out in a rhyme right now, but I can't, so I'd just be bad. Isn't it great how, keep doing it, keep doing it. And y'all are doing it. Y'all are doing it. You're doing it all by yourselves. You're, you're listening to the person on your right and your left and in front and behind. Y'all are getting a little bit fast, getting a little bit fast. Isn't it great how you can do that? All right. And amazingly, y'all stopped when I said stop. That is great. Y'all give yourselves a big hand, all right? Now, let me tell you something. Let me tell you how this works. Every day we live our life by the, the snapping or the clapping or the tapping of some drum. And there is some drum that we're following. The beat, the cadence of that drum is what leads us in life. And, and for many of us, it's an easy way to live because we're just following the beat and the cadence of everybody else's drum. Um, we're, we're just stepping in time and living our life in time with everyone else around us. That's not a challenge. The challenge comes when everyone else around us is beating to their tune and God is calling us to live our life according to the beating of His heart, which isn't matching what everybody else is doing. See, there are seasons and times where, and by the way, do you realize that not everything your friends do is exactly what God wants? I didn't know if that's shocking or not, but do you realize that not everything you do or want to do is exactly what God wants? And the challenge for us is not to determine what we want or what our friends want, to determine the challenge for us is to determine what God wants. And that is what trust is all about. And today, uh, we want to have a life that God blesses, and that only happens when we live a life of trust in God. God blesses the life, the person, and trust in him. That's the story of Hezekiah. Hezekiah was a person who gave himself in trust to God. I want you to look at, at uh, chapter 18, beginning in verse 4, uh, 2 Kings 18, verse 4. Now, now listen. This is talking about Hezekiah. He's 25 years old when he becomes king. His, his father, Ahaz, was not a good king. Ahaz did what was right in his own eyes. He followed the cadence of his own desires. And he didn't give a rip about God. But Hezekiah comes along and listen to Hezekiah. Verse 4. Hezekiah removed the high places and broke down the sacred pillars. He cut down the wooden image and broke in pieces the bronze servant that Moses had made. For until those days, the children of Israel burned incense to it and called it Nehushtan. Nehushtan. Verse 5, he trusted in the Lord God of Israel, so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor who were before him. For he held fast to the Lord. He did not depart from following the Lord, but kept his commandments, which the Lord had commanded Moses. The Lord, here's verse 7, and, and this is really, this is the kind of life we want, okay? The Lord was with him. And Hezekiah prospered 
wherever he went. Hezekiah excelled in trusting the Lord when so many others were snapping and tapping to the beat of a different heart. Hezekiah tuned his life to the heartbeat of God. He committed himself to follow after God's heart. And because of Hezekiah's commitment to the Lord, his trust in the Lord, the result was the Lord was with him. And wherever he went, he prospered. Doesn't mean he didn't have hard times, it just means he was blessed by God in the face of hard times. Today, we want a life that is blessed by God. We want a life that experiences uh, the, the blessing of the Lord. But in order to do that, to have that kind of life, we've got to trust God. Now, the good news is we have good reason to trust God. You know, trust is a function of love. Now, where, where trust expands, love expands. Where trust shrinks, love shrinks. Where love expands, trust expands. And where love shrinks, trust shrinks. There is a correlation between love and trust. And God has given us so many reasons to trust Him. Maybe we need to remind her, though, that you are not going to heaven because you're good looking. You're not going to heaven because of your sterling character. You're not going to heaven because you're a good religious person or a Baptist. You're not going to heaven because you uh, have a certain socioeconomic background. You're not going to heaven because of anything about you. You're going to heaven because God in His love sent Jesus to you to forgive your sin and give you new life. That's why we're going to heaven. The reason we are a forgiven people If indeed you are a forgiven person, if indeed you have experienced the forgiving love of of the loving God who sent Jesus to die in your place on a cross, who paid the penalty for my sin, taking the crimes that I had done upon himself and paying that price so that all of the condemnation that I deserve was planted on Jesus, and then Jesus in his love When I trusted him, he took all of his righteousness and he placed it on me so that when God sees me, he doesn't see my wickedness. He sees the righteousness of Christ. Oh, my goodness, what love of God. When I was without strength, when I couldn't help myself, when I was destined for judgment, and rightly so, God loved me. Even when I was an enemy of God, and hostile toward him in my sin, even in my ugly, God loved me, provided a pathway for me to be forgiven through faith in Jesus, to be covered in the grace of God so that I might live a brand new life, a new creation, old stuff gone, new stuff here, all because of God's love, not because of what I've done, not because of what you do. Not because you're sitting in this room today. Not because you have a moral code of conduct. None of that makes us right with God. In fact, the only thing you and I deserve is hell itself. That's what we we deserve. 
But God, who has loved us with an amazing love, has provided heaven for us instead. Heaven for eternity and heaven on earth because we live in friendship with him. He brought us into his family and he made us his own. Oh, yes, there's a reason to trust God. But do you? Do you trust him? Do you trust him with your everyday life? Do you trust him with your ups and downs? Do you trust him with your family and your finances? Do you trust him? This is the challenge for us. We need to follow Hezekiah's example. I wish we could dig deep into every aspect of of his example. but, But when we consider what God has done for us in Jesus Christ, how that Jesus has given us light to chase away the dark. He has given us joy to overshadow our sorrow. He's given us peace to obliterate our despair. He's given us life to destroy our death. This is what God has done for us in love. We have truly, if you're a follower of Jesus, we have truly tasted and seen that the Lord God is good. He is faithful. We can trust him. And God blesses the person who trusts the Lord. But that means that we've got to stop listening to the tunes and the tones of every other tapping and snapping. And we've got to lean in to the cadence of the heartbeat of God as the rule for our life. If we're going to have a life that God blesses, then we need to trust the Lord. If we're going to trust the Lord, then we need to remove the high places in our heart. And Again, look at uh, verses 3 and 4 of chapter 18. Hezekiah did what was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father David had done. He removed the high places and broke the sacred pillars and he cut down the wooden image and broke down, uh, uh, broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made. Now, here, just quick. Um, Moses made a bronze serpent when the children of Israel in the wilderness. God told him to make it, told him to lift it up. People would look at the serpent and they would be rescued from the snake bite. The bronze serpent was a good thing. It was a religious symbol. The problem was that religious symbol became an idol for the people of God. Make no mistake, the same thing happens here today at First Norfolk. Religious symbols become idols that we worship. When you walk into this room and you look at a stained glass window or, or you, your friend is no, not, not here or something, and you say, I can't worship the Lord in this place because my, my, I can't see my stained glass or, or something like that, can I make just a clear statement? You are worshiping an idol, not God. And you've got to remove the high place. Now, that's an out loud kind of thing. Most of our, our high places are, are in our heart, the high places. When our hearts are tapping in tune with the heart of God, then God will satisfy our soul and bless our lives. But, but we have these tunes and tones in our heart that call us like a siren song to trust other things instead of the Lord. These, these other tunes and tones, those are our high, high places. Like Pinocchio and, and uh, being led to go to the carnival. 
Uh, we we, we want to go and have fun at the carnival, and we, we're distanced from the will of God. We're, we're distracted from the cadence of his heartbeat. We, we decide that what we feel is more important than what God says, or, or what my friends want is more important than what God wants, or, 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 or what I desire is, is the most important thing. And, and we start setting up these high places, and we wonder why it is that we have no peace. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3 is contemporaneous to this passage. But Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3 says that that the Lord gives peace to the person whose mind is fixed on him. To the person who trusts in the Lord. It's this this idea that if I'm going to uh, find peace, peace and wholeness and satisfaction in my life, if I'm, if I'm going to uh, have a life that God blesses, I need to get rid of those things that compete for, with my heart for allegiance to God. I need to get rid of the high places. First of all, you've got to identify them. What is it in your life? It may be a good thing. It doesn't have to be a Las Vegas lifestyle to be a high place. What is it in your life? It could be your bank account. It could be your job. It could be your relationships. What is it that you're looking to to, to satisfy you? What is it that you're looking to? What, what, when, when you're in trouble, where do you turn first? That's a good picture of a high place. When you're hurting, what do you do to deal with that hurt? And th- this, this is why the psalmist said in the very first verse of the psalms, he says, Blessed is the person who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. That is listening to the tapping and the snapping of the high places. Blessed is the person who walks not in the counsel of the godly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But blessed is the person who delights himself in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night, and he'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, brings forth its fruit in season, whose leaf also shall not wither. Whatever he does will, be, uh, will prosper. God blesses those who trust in him, whose life is adjusted to the cadence of the heartbeat of God. What is the snapping and the tapping that you're following? When when we follow the snapping and the tapping of God's heartbeat, then he will bless us. But we've got to get rid of the idols. You've got to identify them. What is it in your life? It causes you to trust that thing more than you trust God. Or in addition to God. Identify the high place. And then you got to tear it down. The the four verbs that we find in verse 4 are are verbs of destruction. It wasn't some soft little, oh, okay, um, let me deal with this. I mean, it's taking hatchet to wood. It's breaking it down. It's tearing it down. We need to remove the sin that so easily distracts us from keeping our gaze on Jesus. We need to break the strongholds of security that replace the will of God in our lives. 
We need to cut down every confidence that robs us from trusting God. We need to shatter even the symbols that feed our soul with a malnourished strength. We need to remove the high places. That's, that's why Hebrews 12 says, seeing then, uh, we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Let us run with endurance the race that's been set before us, laying aside the sin and the weights that so easily entangle us, and set our gaze on Jesus, the author, the finisher of our faith. We can't keep our eyes on Jesus while we're listening to the cadence of our high places, whether it's our friends or our finances or our fun, whatever it may be, whatever we're holding on to. Identify it. Confess it as sin and cut it down. We need to remove the high places in our heart. The second thing we need to do is we need to place our security in God's hands. And what I mean by that is, My security, my sense of well-being and safety is in the hands of something. For many of us, it's in our own hands. If I could just be honest, I've got my life, and I'm going to take care of me, and I'm going to be okay. So often, our sense of security is placed in our own hands. But how silly is that when the God of the universe opens his hand and says, Give it to me. I've got it. And yet, that's exactly what we do. It's it's a form of not trusting God. See, Hezekiah trusted the Lord. You look at verse 5. He trusted in the Lord God of Israel. When our hearts are tapping in tune with the heart of God, he will satisfy our soul and he will bless our lives, but we've got to put our trust our security, our well-being, our safety in his hands. Who do you think's got your future? How are you living? Like God has your future? Or you have your future? It's election week. Can I tell you that there is no politician or pastor who can give you the future that you need? If your security is the outcome of an election, you are looking in the wrong place and you're trusting in a high place. Our source of security is not, listen, our source of security is not a wall on our southern border. Our source of security is the living God. But if we were to look at some of our web pages, Facebook posts, personal conversations, we, were, we would be a people who would um, be identified as if we don't have something to protect us from all these other people that are coming in, we're going to be in trouble and everything's going to fall to pieces and it's hell in a handbasket. Please stop. As a follower of Jesus made new by by God's grace, you have the living God on your side. What in the world are you talking about? A wall? 
I'm not making a political statement. I'm making a theological statement. So many of us are living our lives as though what really matters is our politics. And I'm not saying poli- I'm going to vote Tuesday. I hope you do as well. That's your duty. That's your call. I pray for God to have his way in our nation. I pray that earnestly, daily. I pray for our elected leaders. I pray for the leaders that will be elected. I pray that they would feel the pulse of God's heart and begin to move in cadence with his heartbeat. That's my prayer. But friends, if our confidence, if our security is in the pastor or the president, then we are falling short of what it means to trust God. Our well-being comes from the hand of the living God. He's the one that has us. Let's trust him. And I know some of you get mad whenever I talk like that. I know you do, and I'm sorry. But it's my calling. i got to tell you the truth. I mean, I really do. It's, it's, it, it's just this crazy day in which we live. It's the craziest day I've ever experienced. Our security, our well-being comes from the hand of God. He placed his trust in God. And then Sennacherib comes calling. Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, the most powerful man in the world at that time. And he takes 48 cities from Judah, and, and, and Hezekiah tried a political solution. He stripped the temple of all its gold and gave it to Sennacherib. But Sennacherib still came and set siege against Jerusalem, and all the rest of chapter 18 and into chapter 19, uh, uh, the the Assyrians say, don't let Hezekiah deceive you. God can't help you. Only Sennacherib can help you. But Hezekiah didn't return to a political solution. He talked to the living God in prayer, and he begged God for resolution. You see this in, in, in chapter 19, uh, all the way down to, to uh, sorry, chapter 15, all the way down to verse 19. But, but just look at the prayer that Hezekiah prayed in verse 19. He said, now therefore, O Lord, our God, I pray, save us from uh, his hand that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you are the Lord God, you alone. Hezekiah banked on God taking care of his people. He trusted him, and God came through. Sennacherib did not take Jerusalem, but ran away scared, eventually was killed. All because Hezekiah's security was placed in the hands of God. Hey, where is your security? Is it in your IRA, your bank account, your possessions, your friendships, your relationships? When we follow the tapping and the snapping of the heartbeat of God, he will bless us and he will make us secure. But we've got to give him all that we are. Say, God, I'm trusting you with my life. We place our security in God's hands. The third thing we see is we need to excel in affection for God. When our hearts are tapping in tune with the heart of God, he will satisfy our soul and bless our lives. But our hearts um, must be heart to heart with God. Um, and you look at verse 6 of chapter 18. It says that 
that Hezekiah held fast to the Lord. Hezekiah held fast. This is a picture of affection and loyalty and closeness. Can I tell you what I think the picture is like? When, when my w- girls and I would walk into unfamiliar places um, and, and they would uh, be confronted with scary faces or things, things that made them scared and insecure, um, invariably, what did they do? They would run up, jump in my arms, wrap their arms around my neck and not let go until they were safe. And as their heart beat against my heart, they began to feel the safety that their dad provides. But they held on to me. They wouldn't let me go. When did we lose that? If we want a life that God blesses, then we need to cling to God with all our strength, all our tenacity, all the ferocity of our faith that we can muster. We need to grab hold of God and not let go. Allow his heart to beat against our soul so that we begin to understand and sense and feel the warmth of his love and the power of his protection. The life God blesses is a life that is so tenaciously tied to the living God that nothing is going to separate me from him. I wonder what would happen today in our church if we all would give ourselves to be tenaciously connected to the living God to show our affection for him in absolute devotion and closeness. What would happen if we truly did love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and with all our strength? What would happen to our church? There would be an anticipation of God's move among us. There would be an expectancy of God's activity in our midst. There would be something palpable that takes shape every time we gather together in small groups or large. There would be an an anticipation that the living God is blessing us and he's pouring his favor because our arms are wrapped tightly around his neck and we are moving in tune to the beat of his heart. To excel in affection in God for God literally means not only that we hold fast to the Lord, but that we refuse to drift from God's will. Maybe this is where it hits for you and me. Maybe, maybe our challenge is we so easily drift from doing God's will. Maybe that's our problem. But Hezekiah, again, let me read the, the whole passage uh, uh, one more time. Verses 5 and 6. Hezekiah trusted in the Lord God of Israel so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor who were before him, for he held fast to the Lord. He did not drift or depart from following the Lord, but kept his commandments which the Lord had commanded Moses. The Lord was with him. He prospered wherever he went. 
when our hearts are tapping in tune with the heart of God. He will satisfy our soul and bless our lives. But we must have a determined devotion to refuse to drift from God's will. We need to guard the commands of the Lord and make them our daily decisions. You flip over to, to chapter 20, verse 3. And this is the, toward the end of, of Hezekiah's life. He's gotten bad news. He's going to die. And so he cries out to the Lord. And, and the last, verse in, uh, last sentence in verse 3 is, he wept bitterly before the Lord. He cried out to the Lord. I love that picture. He was open and honest before the living God. And I'm going to invite you to do the same in a moment. But, but here's what it says. Uh, Remember now, O Lord, I pray, how I have walked before you in truth with a loyal heart and have done what was good in your sight. You know what that means? Walked in truth with a loyal heart. It means that, that Hezekiah, it means that we must, before we take any step, ask God if that's the step we need to take. Before we make any decision, we need to ask God, is that the decision you want me to take? Before we walk any path, we need to ask God, God, is this the path you want? We need God, by his word, according to his Holy Spirit, directing our steps before we take the steps. That's, that's following after God. And nothing can cause us to drift. Not what our friends are snapping and tapping. Not what our emotions are snapping or tapping. Not what is expedient for us. Not what that is snapping or tapping. The only thing that directs our daily lives, our emotions, our will, our family, our finances, our church, is, oh God, what do you want? And I'll do it. Now, when we live our lives that way, then that's the life God blesses. Will you trust the Lord? Will you have a life that God blesses? Will you bow your heads with me, please? This morning as we have gathered as we have gathered in this place, I pray that you would help me and us to live according to your good pleasure. God, help us to look upon you to discover what you're speaking to our heart. Many of us in this room, oh Lord, have high places that need to be torn down today. May we not Hold on to them a minute longer. Some of us are here and we're just broken with life. I mean, circumstances and pain and struggle are so powerful and poignant, we don't know what to do. And God, today I pray that you would help us, that you would help us um, look to you and find strength in you. I pray that you would help for us to call out to you with an open heart. That, that you would help us, that you would help us to, to be honest before you. Lord God, as we hear from Hezekiah that he wept bitterly before the Lord, help for, 
us to have that kind of openness and honest. Help for us not to hesitate or be dissuaded from being obedient to you. And God, I pray that you would overwhelm us in this moment. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. In these next few moments, I pray that that God would give you the courage and the confidence, the faith and the trust to be open before him. Guys, listen, can I just talk to you? Stop stop playing church now. Nobody cares. Nobody's impressed. I'm not. God's not. Don't, Don't play church here. You're not putting on a show. You're not trying to be impressive to anyone. Now's the time for you to be open and honest before the living God. And some of you, y'all just need to open up and weep bitterly before the Lord. You've held on to your high places long enough. It's time to tear them down. You've put your trust in in the cadence of some other uh, beating heart. And it's time to get back in line. You've drifted. You've you've distanced yourself from being obedient. And guys, if you're like me, you just need a time where it's now to cry out to the Lord. Sometimes you just got to cry before God and say, oh, Lord, God, help me. This is that moment. This altar be open for you to come. Some of you are here, and you need to embrace Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. This is your time. This is your moment. You need to come to Christ and say, I have sinned against a holy God. That sin has separated me from God. I need Jesus, his death on the cross to pay for my sin, his resurrection from the dead to give me new life. Jesus is my only hope. And now's your moment to trust in him and find life and forgiveness. If that's you, come to one of our ministers here at the front. We want to help you with that. If you're a follower of Jesus, this altar is open. Guys, don't play games in this moment. Don't. Crack open your heart before the living God. And allow him to speak to you and you to him. And find a life that God blesses.